1: By the time she was 19, Lindsay Lohan was on top of Hollywood. She had more talent and charisma than directors had seen in years. Only sometimes fame, money and attention can be the last thing a young person needs. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Now you know I'm back. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, Michelle Andrews,
0: and welcome back to part two of of this Lindsay Lohan series. Oh, I do love this series. Part two of three, guys. We covered so much in episode one. Should we take the listeners back through a bit of a recap? Absolutely, we should.
1: So we started by talking about Lindsay's childhood, as we often do, but I think her childhood in particular... I feel like is so incredibly relevant to you know where she ended up later in life lindsay's parents michael and dina divorced when lindsay was quite young and michael's presence in her life or kind of lack thereof caused considerable upheaval and trauma for Mm. lindsay lohan he spent a decent chunk of his time in and out of jail from a range of crimes some involving financial fraud others
0: involving violence yeah despite the troubles at home though despite all of the stuff going on with her dad Lindsay was doing extremely well in her career. She was working as a child model and actress from a really young age. And as a kid, she started more than 60 television commercials and had modelled for the likes of Kelvin Klein kids.
1: Yeah, when she was 10, she was cast in the hugely successful Parent Trap film. And after taking a break from the industry to focus on school, she actually signed a three-movie deal with Disney and started working on her music career, When she was 17, of course, she landed the lead role in Tina Fey's movie, Mean Girls. An
0: icon. (laughs) That ended up being an
1: absolute cult classic.
0: Yeah. As Lindsay transitioned into adulthood, though, things got pretty complicated. She started partying a lot, particularly for a teenager who was still years away from even being able to drink legally. She was in a highly publicised feud with her fellow child star, Hilary Duff. Her father also took his dysfunction to new heights. He was publicly suing her mum, Dina, for a cut of Lindsay's fortune. Yeah,
1: I know. And it was this last detail, Michael Lohan not just suing Dina, but holding a press conference to tell the world that his estranged daughter was, and I quote, emotionally unsound.
0: That perhaps had the biggest impact on Lindsay. As it would. So perhaps it's not all that surprising that by the age of 19, Lindsay was struggling. Her health in particular was ailing, so much so that she was spending time in the hospital. You might remember at the end of episode one, we read out a quote that Lindsay Lohan gave to Vanity Fair. The quote was this. I didn't want to complain, but that was my way to complain, to actually let everyone know, yeah, I actually am really sick. I can't imagine seeing your daughter lying in a hospital bed, white as a ghost, like so tiny and frail looking.
1: Yeah, now Dina Lohan wasn't exactly vocally maternal, both about Mm. this illness or about this quote. And today we're picking things up where we left off, the end of 2005, when Lindsay Lohan was still reeling from her father's
0: mistreatment. All right, Zara, given the very public nature of Michael Lohan's criminality and his pleading for the family to do a reality TV show together, perhaps it's no surprise that Lindsay and her team decided she needed to respond to the mess. Like, she needed to weigh in on all of the public drama and do it in a way that served her career at the same time. Yes, exactly.
1: And so on October 18, 2005, Lindsay released the song Confessions of a Broken Heart. It was a song she wrote as an open letter to her dad. Here are some of the lyrics. And I wear all your old clothes, your polo sweater. I dream of another you, the one who would never, never leave me alone to pick up the pieces. A daddy to hold me, that's what I needed.
0: Vanity Fair actually went along to the shooting of this music video, and of that experience, they wrote, The set is a replica of Lindsay's middle-class house in Merrick, Long Island. Lindsay's bedroom is pink, with pictures of puppies on the walls. The Lohan parents, played by actors, shriek at each other. Dad clocks Mum in the face. Meanwhile, the younger daughter, played by Lindsay's real-life younger sister, Ally, a stick-thin 12-year-old, blocks her ears and coils up in terror. Lindsay, playing herself in a bejeweled Monique LaHilier gown, crashes about the bedroom, singing and sobbing into the camera. Now, later,
1: Lindsay told the journalist in between drags of her cigarette,
0: it's a therapy. It's like the best
1: acting that I've ever been able to do is in this video. I freak out and just kind of go with it and create my own scene. It's offensive and I want it to be. I'm saying, dad is what I needed. I was seeking your comfort and I didn't have it. Yeah.
0: These... very interesting artistic decisions for Lindsay Lohan's team to kind of put in place for her. Like I know Lindsay might have been leading the charge. She might have looked at her team, her publicist, her manager, her mother, whatever, and said, I want to turn my real life experiences into art. Wouldn't you think though the adults in the room at the time should have looked at her and said, hey, this is a very, very personal thing for you to do. You're going through this trauma right now with your dad. Maybe we don't need to mine your life for content and for money. Yeah, as it's happening as well, before you've had a chance to properly sit with it
1: and understand it and unpack it all. I totally agree with you. It's it's a lot to put on a, a young teenager. Now, her father actually responded to Lindsay's song through an open letter that was published in Vanity Fair. It read, Not a day goes by that I don't think about the words to your song. They have been reminders to me to examine my conscience and reevaluate my life. Lots of re examining would need to be done. Yes, exactly. Now this leads us kind of to the next part of this conversation, which was During the mid-naughties, the media was downright obsessed with tracking Lindsay Lohan's weight. What I want to do before we jump into this conversation is put a trigger warning in here because we will be talking about Lindsay Lohan's eating disorder. And if that is triggering for you, please call the Butterfly Foundation on 1800 334673 If you don't want to listen to this bit, you can skip ahead about three and a half minutes. But as we have said in a lot of these episodes about young women who grew up in this time, Mish, every fluctuation on the scales for Lindsay Lohan seemed to constitute news. Mm. What is bizarre to read back on is how the media kind of proked
0: and prodded her about her weight and how clearly you can see its effect in her replies. Yeah, for instance, Teen Vogue once asked Lindsay about her slim figure in 2005 and she responded, suddenly you can fit into more. Things look better and that feels good. But compared to a lot of actresses my age, I'm actually overweight. W Magazine also asked Lindsay about her weight around this time, to which she responded, People lose weight when they grow up. They lose their baby fat. But you know, I'm around girls, even in the movies, that are like, I don't feel good. I just ate a lot. I'm going to go throw up. Like at the Vanity Fair shoot of all the young stars, no one ate. I was going straight to the pasta, and all the other girls were eating salad. And I'm the one who people say that about. This kind of like constant speculation and surveillance of women's bodies really did make the women themselves turn on each other yes like point the finger and go well if if you want to talk about my weight and my eating disorder let me tell you about all the other women i was in this photo shoot with
1: absolutely because the media was pitting them against each other to start now only in an interview with vanity fair at the beginning of 2006 Lindsay confirmed that yes she had been battling an eating disorder at that time the magazine began by commenting, Lindsay has put on a few pounds and now looks normal thin before diving into quotes from Lindsay about her struggle with bulimia the year prior. She told the magazine, I was making myself sick. Mm. Now it turns out, Mish, that SNL alumni Tina Fey, Amy Poehler and producer Lorne Michaels
0: were crucial in helping her get better. Yeah, she told the magazine, they sat me down literally before I was going to do the show and they said, you need to take care of yourself. We care about you too much and we've seen too many people do this and you're talented. And I just started bawling. I knew I had A problem, and I couldn't admit it. She continued, You have to learn for yourself, and you have to hit rock bottom sometimes to get yourself back up to the top. I think, again, on this point, the writer observed the kind of
1: coldness or hostility that radiated from Lindsay's mum, Dina, because this is what her quote was Mm. on Lindsay's struggle with her body image. It happens to people in different periods of their lives, says Dina, again exasperated. She took it a little too far maybe and pulled back quickly and is fine. I don't see it as what the press made it out to be. It was definitely more magnified and I think it even made Lindsay think it was even more magnified. She was 19 looking at it. I'm 43 looking at it going, no, it wasn't as bad as it looked. They took one really bad picture somehow and they're probably not even her arms in that picture.
0: What is going on here? I cannot wrap my head around... Having a teenage daughter, and of course, the obvious, I've never been a mum, but I cannot imagine having my daughter tell a magazine, yeah, I really struggled with this and three people in the industry really pulled me out and thank God they did because I hit rock bottom. And then having my mum speak to the same journalist and say, she's being a bit melodramatic, essentially. That's the reading between lines. Absolutely, She's 19, she's being dramatic. This happens to everyone. Who cares? It's really, really odd. It's like, I
1: think, Dina. Is centering herself in all of this and assuming that anything that happens to Lindsay might be a reflection on her parenting. So instead of sort of enveloping Lindsay, at least publicly, with the kind of acknowledgement that things are hard, she just operates in this kind
0: of circle of denial. She stonewalls everything. It's so icy cold. It's confronting.
1: yeah, it's it's really, really odd. Now, by two thousand and six there were rumblings in the press that everything was about to come to a head for then nineteen year old Lindsay Lohan. I mean, we know we, over the last kind of episode ish, we've been talking about the slow downfall of Lindsay and how the press started to turn on her, her partying seemed to become public, but it hadn't really properly come to a head yet. How is this passage from The New York Times though, in May two thousand and six? What if you took someone with Britney Spears' unfailing wrong instincts about her image tossed in a dollop of Meryl Streep's talent and gave her flowing red hair that morphed on a moment's notice to deepest black or fairest blonde. You'd end up with a pretty good facsimile of Lindsay Lohan, whose tabloid-ready partying and shining on-screen talent seem headed for a collision. a crash bigger than the one last year that damaged the Mercedes she was driving, and that, she said, was caused by paparazzi.
0: What's curious is that despite the clear issues going on in Lindsay's life, there is an unmistakable respect for her and her talent in the press's reporting, at least highbrow press absolutely adored Lindsay Lohan. If anything, They seemed really nervous, journalists were really nervous, that Lindsay Lohan was about to throw away her brilliant talent. The New York Times piece went on, The swirling tabloid rumours are dangerous because she is no Paris Hilton famous for being famous. Her situation is more like that of Colin Farrell, a fine actor who has worked with directors like Terrence Malick, yet is best known for drinking and womanising. What a weird comparison to Colin Farrell, but anyway... Onwards, Lindsay's colleagues
1: and co-stars had overwhelmingly good things to say, too, on Lindsay's gift for acting. Meryl Streep once told Vanity Fair she has a quality that is really unusual in actors, and that is she is very present and alive, almost preternaturally alive on camera. Culture writer Karen James also praised Lindsay for her choice of upcoming projects too. She said she has certainly chosen her next projects well, including the high-profile Georgia Rule, a dark comedy directed by Gary Marshall in which she plays a woman sent by her mother, Felicity Huffman, to stay with her grandmother Jane Fonda.
0: Mm, Let's talk about Georgia Rule for a Mm. bit because this was seen as a huge deal for Lindsay's career. It was seen as another step in what was the right direction when it came to Lindsay repositioning herself as an adult actress as opposed to a like Disney child star. Only there was a massive problem on the horizon because it was on the set of filming that movie, Georgia Rule, that Lindsay's reputation took a massive tumble. In fact, just two months after that New York Times piece, worried about what Lindsay's partying might do to her career – Headlines about Lindsay not really rocking up on the set of Georgia Rule started appearing everywhere.
1: Yeah, and the reason for that was because a letter that the then 70-year-old movie exec James G. Robinson, who was the chief executive of the production company that was making Georgia Rule, was leaked to the tabloid website Smoking Gun. Mm. Now, he wrote this letter to Lindsay and it is absolutely scathing. We're going to read it in full because I think... It's worth hearing what we heard back
0: then about Lindsay and her behavior on set. All right. We all ready. Yeah. It's dated July 26, 2006. Dear Lindsay... Since the commencement of principal photography of Georgia Rule, you have frequently failed to arrive on time to the set. Today, you did not show for work all day. I am now told you don't plan to come to work tomorrow because you are and I quote, not feeling well. You and your representatives have told us that your various late arrivals and absences from the set have been the result of illness. Today, we're told it was heat exhaustion. We are well aware that your ongoing all-night heavy partying is the real reason for your so-called exhaustion. We refuse to accept bogus excuses for your behavior
1: to date your actions on Georgia rule have been discourteous irresponsible and unprofessional you have acted like a spoiled child and in doing so have alienated many of your co-workers and endangered the quality of this picture moreover your actions have resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage we will not tolerate these actions any
0: further If you do not honor your production commitments, including your scheduled call time for tomorrow and any call times thereafter, we will hold you personally accountable. This means that in addition to pursuing full monetary damages, we will take such other action as we deem necessary to preserve the integrity of the Georgia Rule production, as well as Morgan Creek's financial interests. I urge you to take this letter seriously and conduct yourself professionally, signed, sincerely, James G. Robinson, CEO Morgan Creek Productions. What a letter! It's pretty scathing,
1: truthfully. And things must have been as bad as very, they very, very bad. Yes, for them to not only send this, but to decide that leaking it was also one of the only options that they had. I mean, I don't think it's ridiculous to assume that someone on set thought that maybe this letter wasn't going to be enough Mm. and that they had to make it public in order to get this film over the line. Whether or not I agree with that course of action I guess is a different conversation entirely but it really did confirm what a lot of people had been wondering at this time which was Lindsay was spending more time partying than working
0: yeah it's not really surprising it got leaked either there are eight different people who aren't Lindsay's CC'd on this letter as well so I'm guessing it was a fax or a email whatever if you are already opening this up to 10 people and those 10 people send it to two people it's snowballs right within the space of 24 hours so many people probably had their hands on this email it's not surprising the smoking gun got their hands on it as well James Robinson, that CEO, was later questioned about his decision to write that letter by CBS News. He responded, Lindsay missed a day of work without telling anybody and you have a whole crew and cast standing around, plus the cost of half a million dollars a day lost. The letter served its purpose and she's a great actress. I wrote a letter to her that I rewrote six times and I basically said, let's knock it off, get to work. I'm not going to put up with it. And she was fine. She came to work every day after that.
1: Yeah, now perhaps as a surprise to no one, Georgia Rule did not thrive under these conditions. I think you'd think with the likes of Jane Fonda, Felicity Huffman and of course Lindsay Lohan, the film would be a commercial success if not a critical one. But it did fail on both counts. It made a measly $25 million at the box office and scored a terrible 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's kind of the least of Lindsay's worries at this point because she has a whole lot more worries coming in the next few years but we're going to get to them right after the break
0: All right, Zara, in 2006, things went from bad to worse for a now adult Lindsay Lohan. In November, Lindsay was out partying when she was snapped in what is now arguably one of the most well known photos from her career, from her time in the public eye. It is, of course, the iconic and infamous photo of Lindsay in the passenger seat of Paris Hilton's car outside the Beverly Hills Hotel with Britney Spears sitting in between them in the back seat.
1: Yeah, they were promptly dubbed the Holy Trinity when this photo was published. And these were the three wild party girls of the early 2000s. And being in this picture and in the vicinity of both Paris Hilton and Britney Spears didn't do great things for Lohan's reputation, that is for sure. The New York Post published this article at the time. Three bimbos of the apocalypse. No clue, no cares, no underwear, Meet the party posse of the year. <sighs> wow. That, no
0: clue, no cares, no underwear.
1: It's it's, it's something. It's gross. Mm. Interestingly, Paris Hilton actually recently told the story of how that photo came to be and it kind of puts an interesting spin on on what we now know is a very iconic photo. Mm. On an episode of her podcast last year, she said, that was a night that Brittany and I went out and we were at the Beverly Hills Hotel at our friend's party and we decided to leave to go home. We were walking to the car and all of a sudden got swarmed by tons of paparazzi. Just as we were walking to the car, that's when Lindsay came up. It was kind of awkward because we were having <laughs> some drama at the
0: time. Harris said that she and Brittany kind of were getting into the car and a pap asked her about a video that was circulating in which Lindsay Lohan claimed Paris Hilton hit her. Here's Paris Hilton's quote on that years later. At that moment, I saw Lindsay walking towards us and I said, why don't you just ask her? And Lindsay said, no, Paris would never hit me. I've known her since I'm 15. It was basically just not admitting what she did. It was quite awkward, you know, to be asked that question. And it was just weird how the whole thing happened. Paris went on. All of a sudden I looked over and Lindsay's in my car. We weren't getting along, so I was polite. It was really hard to just even get out of there because I couldn't see just with all the cameras. It's so funny because looking back on this photo, I
1: just assumed that all these gals were good friends. They'd been clubbing together And
0: the rest of it. But for it to be kind of a... A lucky chance. Do we believe that though? No, I do. I-, I think it's such a weird... You know when you hear stories that seem so unusual... It's like you can't make that up. It almost makes them more believable because it's like, well, for why? Like, why would Paris make that up? That's such a bizarre story. Especially now, like years on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Now, And then 20-year-old Lindsay's health really started to deteriorate around this time. In late November 2006, the New York Post published photos of her appearing to attend Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And soon after, Lindsay's reps confirmed the story. Her publicist, Leslie Sloan, told media in early December, she started attending some and I think it's a positive thing. And by the way, she's not saying she'll stop drinking tomorrow. It's a place to go and feel safe. No one judges her and it's going to be a slow process. But to me, the fact that she's seeing that there's something not right makes her smarter than the next person. Mm. A couple of things here I wanted to note. I, I really liked that statement from Leslie Sloan. It's like, quite a pragmatic person in the corner to be like, don't you dare assume that this is going to be her going so sober. And for that reason, don't you dare try to get her in gotcha moments. Yeah. But it also makes me sad that the media is even publishing a 20-year-old going to AA.
0: Yeah, I have a few feelings. I agree with you. I don't think the wording of the statement, I don't have a single problem with the words given. I wonder though if she should have given a statement at all. Is it actually protecting Lindsay Moore to decline the opportunity to give a statement. I actually think giving that statement makes the action of giving a statement confirming, yes, it's AA meetings, not just a paparazzo getting an opportunistic photo that misrepresents the situation. But I don't think people have ever been smart enough to think here's a pap photo a pap's
1: misrepresenting what's going on. I think if people are talking about it that much, mm. they're kind of forced to talk about it,
0: but it's a great way to talk about it to say, manage your expectations, let this girl sort herself out. Yeah. I still think she shouldn't have said anything, but I do think if you're going to say anything, that's as good of a statement you can get.
1: I just think it's more fucked that they're chasing a 20-year-old into the most private parts of her life. Now, strangely enough, around the same time, Lindsay's mum sat down with Ryan Seacrest and E to confirm that, yes, her daughter was doing AA meetings. This is the point I don't like. This is the part I don't like. In the first week of 2007, the same publicist announced that she was taking a break from I Know Who Killed Me
0: to enter hospital where she was
1: having her appendix removed.
0: Ten days after that appendix removal, it was reported that Lindsay had admitted herself to the Wonderland Rehabilitation Center in Los Angeles. Again, through publicist Leslie Sloan, Lindsay said, I have made a proactive decision to take care of my personal health. I appreciate your well wishes and ask that you please respect my practice. Privacy at this time. I find it interesting because it's,
1: we've obviously covered quite a few celebrity stories in our time. And it feels kind of rare that people announce they're going to rehab as they're going. We often hear the confirmation after Afterwards. they've left. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking about maybe Selena Gomez yes. back last year when we covered her. And there were rumors that she was at rehab, but no one confirmed it to be true once she was out.
0: I think that's where I feel weird about this publicist confirming things yeah. in the moment. Like, I just. But that she had already been to the AA. I find the mm. AA stuff different to this. Mm, that's I, fair.
1: I find this. Harder to stomach because it's like just let her go and there will be rumours about it but there are rumours about every celebrity going to rehab almost always. It's hard because what I'm realising with this Lindsay Lohan story is that everything that was happening in real time was communicated to the media in real time. Yes. And it's kind of rare that you see that with celebrities the whole time that every part of their life is being dissected as it happened not hey three months ago this thing happened.
0: I can't shake the feeling that no one was protecting Lindsay. I think that's also probably
1: true. Now back to the timeline though that January 2007 rehab stay marked Lindsay's first trip to a rehab center. The treatment was a bit unorthodox. She actually planned to continue to work on the movie I Know Who
0: Killed Me during her 30-day treatment plan. Yeah the rehab stay in general was quite lax not only was Lindsay allowed to keep working she was also being photographed at her apartment and around town now tmz's reporting on this rehab treatment was predictably snarky they wrote residents are allowed to attend aa meetings and medical appointments outside the facility but lohan appears to be spending more time out of the center Than she is in it. Again, one of the reasons to not publicize this as it's happening. So when someone's going through the thick of it, they're not being scrutinized at the same time. Yeah, 100%
1: of people accusing them of not doing it properly. Now, Lindsay finished her 30 days. And in April 2007, Harper's Bazaar published an interview with Dina Lohan where they asked her all about Lindsay's rehab state. I don't understand why Dina does an interview every few
0: months why is she speaking to ryan seacrest and why is she doing interviews with harper's bazaar perhaps oh i just yeah i know there's a lot going on now some important context
1: here this was back in the magazine days, so this interview was held while lindsay was in treatment at the wonderland center but wasn't published until months later in the piece, journalist Phoebe Eaton asks Dina point blank if her daughter was an alcoholic. She responds, no, she is just a 20-year-old who had to reel it in and she's from an addictive personality genetically and in that world they give you things like candy. You hurt your ankle, let's give her something. It's interesting Dina sort of separating herself from this world to say in that
0: world mm-hmm. as if Dina's... Not doing an interview with Harper's Bazaar. <laughs>
1: outside of it rather than inside of it
0: yeah what makes this interview even weirder is the journalist also wrote about the rumors that Dina's own penchant for partying was exacerbating her daughter's issues in one part of the story Phoebe Eden writes that Dina Lohan was sipping from a glass of wine and that reports had suggested her drinking in front of Lindsay had become an issue on top of that Dina was regularly being photographed and seen partying with her daughter at clubs On that suggestion Mm -hmm. that perhaps Dina was exacerbating Lindsay's drinking, she said, Listen to me. Lindsay would drag me, literally drag my loser butt there and say, I need you to know who these people are. Yeah, she trusts my judgment. She's in such a whirlwind. She's a tornado. I mean, we're talking serious earthquake, you know. Oh, the party mum, the party mum, the party mum. Whoever said that, my ex-husband or whatever, I am not the party mum. You throw enough pasta on the walls, some pasta is going to stick, okay? Dina went on and said, Lindsay had to
1: fall and get up. I knew it was coming. I told her, but finally she was like, mummy, I had to do it myself. You can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just like even partying together, I'm like, yeah, it's mm. an interesting way to spin it. Now, you're probably not alone for asking the question of whether it was Dina that actually wanted to be famous because journalist Phoebe Eaton raises it too in this Harper's piece, writing in the piece that Dina was pitching various ops to Oprah Winfrey's network for, and I quote, a second shot
0: at fame. Mm, Things got worse from here. In the first week of May 2007, some photos or some like still images were taken from a video of Lindsay allegedly using cocaine. Now, these stills were printed in Britain's News of the World newspaper. The newspaper reported that Lindsay took part in, and I quote, a marathon cocaine binge in a bathroom at a Hollywood club just 20 days after her stint at the Wonderland Rehab Centre.
1: Yeah, according to CBS News, a friend of Lohan told the newspaper they released the video because she feared things would end tragically for the actress fucking this friend and i do have that in inverted commas told news of the world that night i saw her do more than 20 big lines of cocaine she was still up doing drugs at 11 a.m even though she'd started at 8 p.m the night before the quote-unquote friend went on i've lost count of the number of times i've watched as she stripped naked in front of everyone then she loves to check herself out in the mirror as she parades around with her boobs hanging out one night, we'd gone back to her place. And as always, as soon as she walked through the door, she stripped down to her thong, bent down, and snorted cocaine off the coffee table and then off her toilet seat. <sighs> That's why I'm showing this video so the world can know what Lindsay's been doing and she can't lie about it to herself or anyone else. If you're concerned about the well being of your friend, I reckon an interview like this is going to do more damage than anything she's doing behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. How much money did this friend pocket from From News of of the World? world.
1: It's so, so bad. Those quotes make me feel sick about the fact that someone in her orbit would even
0: give them. It would make you so paranoid. It would make you so completely paranoid and cynical about the people in your life. Why wouldn't you be? You don't trust anyone and why would you trust anyone if this is how they're treating you? Especially when you spend half your life escaping the paparazzi. You know they're going to try and get you. You then finally get behind closed doors with your inner circle and that inner circle takes stories about you to the newspaper to make a quick buck but try and sell it to the world's concern. Yes, it's such faux concern. Bigger than faux concern,
1: I don't even have a word for it. Another interesting part of the coverage was the subtle slut shaming that seemed to follow Lindsay wherever she went. The likes of MTV reported that in that video obtained by News of the World, Lindsay spoke of her famous sexual conquests, including the likes of James Blunt, Jude Law, Callum Best, Joaquin Phoenix, Jared Leto and James Franco. MTV also reported that Lindsay had slept with Puerto Rican director Benicio Del Toro writing, really, ill" in their
0: story. Yeah, so on top of everything else, we've got some wild slut shaming going on at the same time. And also she has slept with all those men. Good on her. There's some, uh, not all of them. I mean, we can drop James Franco and a couple of others from the list, but good Good on her. Yeah. I mean, I love that
1: I led with subtle slut shaming when it's actually the most blatant slut shaming in the world. (laughs) slut shaming. Yeah. And of course, the inference is that whether it was alcohol, drugs or sex, Lindsay was messy. She was a messy human being who lacked purity and decency. Yeah, that was the suggestion for sure. For sure. Now, the end of May 2007 was no better for Lindsay. And if you're feeling like... This is an exhausting episode of hit after hit. Because it kind of was. Yeah, it was it, a terrible time.
0: Yeah, things were kind of in freefall by this point. On May 27, ABC News reported that Lindsay was pulled over by police for driving erratically. Here's a passage from that report: Witnesses said at 5:30 a.m., Lohan, 20, was driving down Hollywood Sunset Boulevard in her Mercedes convertible. She jumped a curb and flew into a set of trees. Right after the accident, she ran into a nearby house. Now, this was Lindsay's third car accident. That the public knew about in two years and what's particularly sad about this report is that the witnesses who just so happened to observe yeah. this very early morning car accident Appear to be paparazzi who were chasing or at least stalking Lindsay. One witness who is named in that news report is described as a photographer, which just feels a little too coincidental. And like, it's just
1: sad. Yeah, it's really sad. The local police quickly issued a statement saying, officers tracked down Miss Lohan to the local hospital where she ultimately was placed under arrest for driving under the influence Now, the police also told the media that Lindsay's car was impounded and searched. And unfortunately for Lindsay, the search found a small bag of drugs. The statement went on. It was a usable amount of illegal narcotics that was preliminarily identified as cocaine. Within days, Lindsay Lohan had re entered rehab. This time, she enrolled in a detox program at the Promises Rehab Center in Malibu.
0: Mm, only in July, history unfortunately repeated itself. Having completed rehab on July 13 and agreeing to wear an alcohol monitoring ankle bracelet, Lindsay found herself in the headlines again for driving under the influence on Tuesday, the 24th of July. Now, the details of this story are somewhat bizarre. According to police, before they arrested her, Lindsay had been in a car chase with her former personal assistant who had just resigned moments prior. Now, according to reports, the car Lindsay was driving was chasing another car being driven by her former personal assistant's mother.
1: Yeah. A Santa Monica police spokesman confirmed that police had found another small bag of cocaine in Lindsay's pocket when she was searched at the station, according to People magazine. She was then booked for a DUI, possession of cocaine and driving on a suspended License That spokesperson said the driver who called the police turned out to be the mother of Lindsay Lohan's personal assistant.
0: Yeah. This time, Lindsay's publicist, Leslie Sloan, declined to comment on the story. Instead, Lindsay's attorney released the following. It read, Addiction is a terrible and vicious disease. Since Lindsay transitioned to outpatient care, she has been monitored on a scram bracelet and tested daily in order to support her sobriety. Throughout this period, I have received timely and accurate reports from the testing companies. Unfortunately, late yesterday, I was informed that Lindsay had relapsed. That bracelet has now been removed. She is safe, out of custody and presently receiving medical care. It does really pose the
1: question of how stories like this constitute being in the public interest. It reminds me a little bit of last year when we spoke about Justin Bieber Mm. and him getting arrested. I think he was drag racing and also... He was drag racing under the influence. And that mistake aside, the fact that there was footage of that that was released to the public under the guise of public interest blew Mm. my mind in the same way that this blows my mind. Like the fact that there are so many details we have on these very private misdemeanors of celebrities, and I know they're in the public domain. But it's like, this is only going to make them get sicker because it would be incredibly
0: hard to navigate this publicly. It's definitely strange to me and like a little dystopian that the police have this relationship with the media where they hand over so much of this information so freely and then it's reported on so quickly. I know the inverse, the other side of the coin is if there's a lack of transparency from law enforcement to people who have a lot of power, get away with terrible things. But I think that's quite flattening to only consider that side of the coin. I think we're not really talking about stories where anyone has been harmed. I think if if someone was injured in this story, if someone was hurt, then absolutely let's talk about it because that celebrity needs to be held accountable and people need to know about that. In a story that really does, in my opinion anyway, the listeners might disagree, come down to someone's addiction and mental health crisis, do the police really have to speak to the media? Do we really have to know and report on it in real time?
1: Well, it's just the way that they do it, selling it as a public service that kind of annoys me because it's like, at least be honest about what you're doing. Like you you might want your 15 minutes of fame too. Mm. Now, that week, just about everyone in Lindsay's family spoke to the media. Her father, Michael, who by this point in the timeline was now an ordained minister. Bit of a change. Yes, plot twist, gave an interview to Access Hollywood where he said this... It's unfortunate Lindsay's experiencing what I did. I just want her to get it. Just get it, honey. Please, I can't take this anymore, and neither can anyone else. I am tired of all of this. You need your parents, and that's all that's important. Just let me reach out to you and be there for you.
0: Yeah, the media even reported on an email that Lindsay's little 13 year old sister, Ellie, had sent into VH1. In part, that letter read, Hi David, who was the journalist. This is Ellie Lohan. I want everyone to know the truth out there. My mum is a single mum of four children. She has always been there for us. She was my mother and father and still is. My father is telling all lies to people and saying that he was such a great dad and that he's there for us. My father was never there for us. My mum was always there supporting us. She went on, I just want my sister to stick through this. I've wanted to say this for so long and get this out there and let everyone know that our family is like a normal family. But of course, we are put under a microscope because of Lindsay's fame. Oh, the poor kid. In case that wasn't messy enough, even Lindsay's
1: uncle, Chris Sullivan, spoke to the New York Post. In an interview with the tabloid, he said she may well have not been driving the car. This girl and her mother, the PA, are letting Lindsay take the fall, but hopefully the truth will come out. To cap it all off, even Lindsay wrote an email to celebrity reporter Billy Bush, which read, I'm innocent, did not do drugs, they're not mine. I was almost hit by my assistant Taryn's mum. Mm. Now, as if all of this wasn't bad enough, Lindsay film, I Know Who Killed Me, the one that she actually filmed while she was also in rehab at the same time, premiered on July 27th, three days after the car chase made headlines. To this day, it is one of Lindsay's most criticised flops. It made $9.7 million at the box office, failing to clear its $12 million budget, and it has a rating of 9% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Yeah, the film was awarded at the 28th Golden Raspberry Awards. It won eight out of nine possible nominations, including Worst Picture and Worst Actress. Now, at the time, The Hollywood Reporter said, there's a fresh candidate in the running for the worst movie of 2007.
1: Yeah, now an important thing to remember is that this is 2007 and not only is Lindsay publicly struggling with a mental health battle, Britney Spears is too. And some reports we found from this time literally compare the headlines about each woman side by side as some kind of competition about who was more off the rails than the other. So with that backdrop in mind, perhaps you won't be surprised to learn that in place of concern, the media spent a lot of time mocking Lindsay Lohan.
0: Yeah, for example, when Lindsay had to pull out of her commitments on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, which fell in the exact same week that she was arrested for that car chase, and then of course the same week as I Know Who Killed Me came out, The team behind Jay Leno's show responded in perhaps the cruelest way possible. Instead of just finding another celebrity or another interviewee to fill Lindsay Lohan's seat on the show, they decided to get comedian and actor Rob Schneider to don a blonde wig and an alcohol monitoring anklet and to do a parody interview with Jay all about Lindsay's troubles. At multiple points, Rob Schneider dressed up as Lindsay Lohan takes a sip from a flask in this interview. Here's a snippet from that interview on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno.
1: I was so wasted, I was in my car and couldn't find my car. Really? Wow. Yeah, I was wow. messed up. Wow.
0: I was actually wearing a diaper. I looked like an astronaut. Really? Wow. <laughs> well, you
1: just.
0: Anyway. So what was your greatest role you think up to this? this well, point? I've been in a lot of films lately right, yeah. for my young
1: age. Yeah. Um I kind of like a uh, Herbie fully loaded. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Herbie was the car I was fully you loaded. You fully yeah. loaded yeah. Now, Lindsay's mum, Dina, was understandably upset with the coverage and actually wrote an email to Access Hollywood explaining why. She wrote, We have great respect for Jay Leno, but we are disappointed in the path he chose to allow a guest to make light of a very serious situation concerning Lindsay. She continued, This is a very personal and private matter, and our only concern is to get Lindsay the help she needs. We will get through this together,
0: and it will make our family stronger. Yeah, curiously, she then added... Thank you to Craig Ferguson for not making a mockery of such a serious situation to which teens and young adults are facing across the country. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all families who have seen a family member go through tough times. Now, if the name Craig Ferguson isn't familiar to you, He was Jay Leno's rival late-night show host at the time. Now, funnily enough, Craig was applauded when the Free Britney story took off a couple of years ago, as he did seem to be the only kind of late-night show host in the US at the time who didn't mock women like Lindsay and Britney for going through mental health challenges. I will say Craig Ferguson is not perfect. We are not sitting here saying he's like the messiah of all opinions. In this particular instance, with this particular of young women battling addiction, battling mental health crises in the public eye, Craig Ferguson seemed to be the only guy getting it right. Yeah, back in
1: 2007, Craig Ferguson himself was celebrating 15 years of sobriety and that experience with addiction seemed to guide him in his coverage of these kinds of stories. Now another public figure with similar experiences Robert Downey Jr. spoke to Entertainment Weekly in the wake of Lindsay's troubles. He said at the time, it is ridiculous how different things are than they were 10 years ago. Nowadays the leap from instant stardom to instant bad boy or girl is so quick. It's a real challenge to reconcile your own process of becoming an adult with the temptation of celebrity.
0: Mm, In the same piece the film executive spoke on the condition of anonymity and said Lindsay had the world at her feet and right now she'd have to pay a studio to get her into a movie. In August of 2007 reports circulated that Lindsay had been admitted to the Cirque Lodge Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center in Utah. Come that September, a New York-based rehabilitation centre called the Canterbury Institute was literally using Lindsay's misfortune for advertising. They were running a full-page newspaper ad in 2007 that read in huge letters, Don't Die Lindsay. In small print below, they gave details about their new three-to-five-day outpatient treatment. Yes, you have that right. The Canterbury Institute was using massive newspapers around the country to run this ad about their treatment centre that Lindsay had no experience with, nothing to do with, and they ran it all under the massive headline, Don't Die Lindsay. You just, like,
1: can't fathom how terrible the world was to her during this time. Like unspeakable. It's so, so, it's so much worse than I remembered as well. I mean, I know I was really, really young at the time, but all you ever remember from this time is a vibe, like a feeling or a vibe. But when you spell out the details of how awful the world was to her throughout this time, it's like... This is why she. it probably took her so long to get better because we didn't let her get better. And just when you think things couldn't get worse for Lindsay Lohan, on November 15, 2007, she found herself in a jail cell. And I think you could call it rock bottom, though she kind of had referenced rock bottom a few mm. times already. And as the saying goes, when you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up wouldn't be an easy or straightforward climb back up for Lindsay Lohan. In fact, the story of the next 15 years of her life is really one of the most complicated stories we've told on Scandal. It took us a long time to put together, Mitch, Mm. because it's filled with legal drama, addiction, brushes with
0: the law, violence and viral videos. Yeah, but guys, at the end of the next episode, you will hear the story of a woman who found herself again and who seems to be climbing back up, which is so exciting to see. We will tell you that story, the story of Lindsay Lohan's partial, at least, redemption on next week's episode of Scandal.
1: Yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. This three-part series was researched by Michelle and I. If you want to come and see photos, of this time, including that iconic Holy Trinity photo of Paris Hilton and Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan together. Come and find us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Yeah. Bye, guys. You know Ooh, Shameless
0: Media. media.